I'm Christine Dolan, and I'm a journalist, and I know a lot of people know Mike Lindell because of some of the issues having to do with elections, but I know him in a different way. Last year, in the middle of the 2020 election, my back was killing me because I'm teleworking. So a friend of mine sent me a pillow that Mike Lindell manufactured, and it helped me to sit on a chair doing interviews, too many interviews during the day because we're all working off-site. And then this year, because we're working off-site and we, we all want to be comfortable, I tried Mike Lindell's slippers. Now, I'm a big one on slippers because I like comfort. I have worn moccasin slippers all my life. And when I tried Mike Lindell's slippers, I couldn't believe this because it really does have four layers of cushions. It's like having very loose tennis shoes on. And it's easy because you really do wear them all night long if you're working like me from the early hours of the morning to the late hours at night. So I highly recommend Mike Lindell's slippers and his pillows if you've got a back problem and you're sitting down. Now, how you get the discount for this is very simple. It's on our site. CDM is the promo code for it. Promo code CDM is what we're asking you to do. Again, you will feel comfortable for your back with those little pillows that he has and also for the slippers that you can get from him. And now let's get to our guests. So today on American Conversations, we're going to have a long conversation about Jeffrey Epstein, uh, Ghislaine Maxwell, uh, Jean-Luc Brunel, and the entire saga Sur uh, surrounding Jeffrey Epstein's um, sex trafficking ring uh, that was international. So David Boyce, welcome to American Conversations. Thank you. I know you just got off the boat uh, sailing. Yes. So, oh, I, so you're relaxed and, and I've got a, I've got a whole Monday of interviews. Right. David, um, you have been representing um, victims since 2014. How many victims uh, approximately have you represented that have been involved in this saga? A, a little more than a dozen. Um, I, I think we've brought um, claims on behalf of about 13 and we've um, uh, we've counseled a few others. And who was your first client? First client was uh, Virginia Dufresne. Uh, her maiden name was Virginia Roberts and um, she's sometimes known by um, her maiden name, but it was Virginia Dufresne. So when you started representing her in 2014, Jeffrey Epstein had already been in prison, even though it was a sweetheart deal um, about seven years before that. Uh, and this goes back to a long time because we have the, the, the Maxwell case where she has been convicted now of trafficking. Let's go back and, and, and I want to ask you from the perspective of a lawyer, when you first heard about this, was it stunning to you? It was it was stunning and and, and frankly um, uh, when I initially heard about it I, I found it hard to believe um, uh, hard to believe the scope and scale of the sex trafficking that was going on right here in New York and in Palm Beach uh, sex trafficking that was uh, had been going on for uh, more than a decade more than two decades at that point and and sex trafficking that was going on essentially in plain sight, mm -hmm. uh, where uh, Jeffrey Epstein had been a registered sex offender, and yet he still was allowed to molest uh, young girls. Um, uh, he was feted by presidents of universities and presidents of countries. Mm -hmm. um, he was an honored uh, guest at Harvard. Um, there are, you know, pictures of, uh, you know, Epstein with uh, distinguished people. Um, uh, the media uh, was very favorable to him, even though, as uh, I say, he had been a convicted sex offender. Um, uh, the New York Times ran a famous um, puff piece about him and his, his so-called philanthropy um, and what a charming person he was. So it was something that was hard to believe that somebody with this academic social status um, was somebody who was engaged even as we were speaking in 2014 
in massive sex trafficking. And when we begin to dig into it, uh, the, the reality was even worse than what we've been told. So I, when, when he first got out of prison and he, he was uh, registered as a tier three uh, sex offender, which if some of the public doesn't understand that there's a tier one, two and three tier three is that you're, you're going to you're, you're the worst of the worst. And you're and you're probably going to repeat um, what you have been what you pled to right. or you've been charged with or convicted of. So and then I remember after he was released from the Palm Beach prison, he went back to New York. Prince Andrew came to New York. There was a dinner that was put together. And even Stephanopoulos at ABC News and Katie Couric over at NBC showed up. Did you, what did you think when you learned that that had happened? I think that, that was around 2011 and your client walks through the door in 2014 and she's sitting there telling you, these horrendous stories. Uh, it, it, as I say, it was just incomprehensible to me um, that you had somebody who had engaged in this conduct, who had been convicted of this conduct, and even though he was given a you know a sweetheart uh, a deal where he didn't really go to jail. I mean, he spent nights there, but he was let out uh, during the day, and when he was let out, he continued. Um, uh, to molest young girls, um, it was uh, it was it was such a stark miscarriage of justice. And then to see him being entertained by and entertaining people who were leaders in academic life, uh, political life. Uh, leaders in the media um, was something that I just found I, I found to be incomprehensible. What did you what What is it that the public doesn't know the 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 story behind the headlines? That's what we do on American Conversations. What is it that they need to comprehend other than because you know we've all reported about what goes on in the court cases. We all report what goes on in the press conferences. Mm. We hear these stories, but what what are the truths? that really have not been reported? I think one of them is uh, just the sheer scope and scale of what was going on. I think the average person from the press today understands that Jeffrey Epstein and Ghislaine Maxwell and John Luke Burnell um, were running a, a sex trafficking ring um, and that they were uh, recruiting, uh, molesting uh, young girls. Um, but I don't think they really appreciate uh, how extensive um, that network was. Um, we had a client um, that Epstein picked up in Santa Monica, California, and another client that Epstein picked up in South Africa the very same month. Uh, you couldn't, uh, I think, easily comprehend how international in scope this was. You had John Luke Burnell recruiting girls as young as 12 years old um, in Eastern Europe and bringing them to the United States, um, sometimes as, quote, birthday gifts, close quote, to Jeffrey Epstein. Um, you had uh, girls uh, whose passports were taken away from them um, so that they couldn't escape. Um, you had uh, girls who tried to escape off of Epstein's island uh, and had to be dragged back. It was a operation that in scope and scale and brutality I think people, even today, probably don't realize, <coughs> in part just because it's so horrific. I know when I first uh, started to do my investigations on human trafficking 22 years ago, and I, I was brought on, in on the inside by law enforcement to kind of explain to me 
what it was that I was going to be, that I was commissioned to investigate. And I didn't know anything about this. I'm not a rape victim. I've never been trafficked. I mean, I barely, I, I didn't even realize the scope and extent that, you know, slavery was alive and well at the turn of the 21st right. century. And when they brought me in on the inside and they showed me some of the evidence, I couldn't move for two days. I was just stunned yeah. by the depravity um, and, and the ages. And, and there are a lot of people that are perverts um, who were even in, I mean, I did an interview with a, with a cop who ended up um, being the head of the Interpol Trafficking Committee. Matter of fact, he was a founder. Paul Holmes. And I asked him, how young are the victims? And he said, infants. And it literally went yeah. in one ear out the other. I had no context, no experience. I had right. no idea what he was talking about. And then the more I got into these investigations, I just realized, you know, there's a there's a whole world out there that walks among us that is just depraved. So when the I mean, first of all, how are the victims going? I mean, how are they feeling now? Do they feel as if they, they have they have they have gotten some acknowledgement and, and and I know that, you know, they were, I, I heard from some of them that they were upset because um, Epstein was found dead. So they didn't feel that they had their day in court with him, even though the judge allowed them to uh, testify um, or give, give some testimony after he died. I know that um, Jean-Luc Brunel, he was recently found dead in his cell in France. Maxwell is now trying to turn over her conviction because of a juror. I mean, it's a very complicated case, but are, are the victims feeling as if that they have made some traction here to be acknowledged for the truth? I, I, I think the victims uh, feel vindicated. Um, I think they feel vindicated by um, the arrest um, of both uh, Jean-Luc Brunel and of Epstein himself. Um, while I think their deaths um, in a sense, cheated them out of confronting uh, their abusers in court. Um, I think they they recognize that uh, Epstein and Brunel ultimately uh, suffered the ultimate penalty. Um, uh, I think the conviction of uh, Ghislaine Maxwell um, was very important uh, to the survivors. Um, because she was a woman mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. because she gained their trust in ways she betrayed them. Epstein and Burnell never would have been able to. Uh, the sense of betrayal, mm -hmm. I think, was in some senses perhaps even greater with respect to Maxwell than with respect to Burnell and, and Epstein. I think the, uh, the successful um, pursuit of Prince Andrew, uh, his acknowledgement um, of his role with Epstein, his acknowledgement um, um, that these are truly victims of sexual trafficking, um, his acknowledgement that the attacks uh, that were made on them publicly were unfair. Uh, I think all of that um, has contributed to a, a sense among the survivors uh, that it's been a long road and it's been too long, but at the final stages, um, they have been vindicated. Is it? Will it really be over for them at all, do you think? <clears throat> I, I think there's a sense in which it's never over. Mm -hmm. I, I think there's a sense in which no one ever totally gets over uh, that kind of abuse. Um, but these are extraordinary um, young women, um, uh, extraordinarily brave, uh, extraordinarily intelligent, thoughtful, reflective. Um, and I think that uh, they are survivors because of their strength. They have really overcome uh, and their ultimate victory over Epstein and his enablers is their own successful lives. What did you think? What did you think um, Maxwell must have been thinking when she was in the courtroom? I mean, did, did you get a sense by her behavior <clears throat> watching that? I really couldn't. Uh, I really, uh, I really couldn't figure out what was going in, going through her mind. Um, 
I, I thought it was I thought it was very unusual when she when she was actually drawing the sketcher that was in the courtroom. Yeah. I thought to myself, okay, is this woman crazy? Yeah, I I I have never been able to understand uh, Maxwell. It's not merely that I don't understand how a woman could do what she did to young girls who trusted her. It's I, I don't understand her approach to the litigation, her approach to the prosecutors. Um, I said publicly um, uh, before Epstein was arrested. The first time or the second time? The first time, uh, the second time, the second time. Mm -hmm. um, which was which was for the audience 2019. Yeah, he was arrested the second time in 2019. But I said in 16 and 17 and 18, when we were first suing her civilly. This is Maxwell. Suing Maxwell civilly. Um, <clears throat> that uh, I, I couldn't understand why she was not making an effort to turn state's evidence and resolve the claims in a, in a time and in a way that would have permitted her uh, certainly to pay some price for her conduct, but, but not spend you know, the many years in jail that she's now looking at. Uh, so I, I had always thought that the right path for her was to show remorse, to accept responsibility, and to uh, provide the prosecutors with the kind of evidence that would have been very helpful against people like Epstein and Brunel who had not yet been arrested. Uh, but she has always I think avoided taking that responsibility. Do you think she was scared of Epstein? She might have been. Um, uh, Epstein and some of his enablers are, could be very scary people. Um, certainly, the um, many of the young girls we represented were terrified. Was that a, was 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 that a social economic when, and I and I and I know that that they were terrified. Uh, and have repeatedly said it. And that a lot of times that is the tool, one of the tools of the trade of the traffickers is to scare the sure. hell out of somebody that we're going to kill you, yeah. we're going to kill your family. And people believe it. Um, and they take it to heart. But do you think that, I mean, did you, did, I mean, not, not only did Epstein say that to the, the survivors, but there were many cases where Maxwell actually was the verbal threat to some of these women. Do you think that Epstein ever used that on her? Did that ever come out in any of the depositions that were taken? Because the it one never, thing it, that I the one thing that I found very interesting cross-referencing this and looking at this for, you know, almost two decades now is that when Epstein had uh, Jack Scarola was taking Epstein's deposition and the other lawyers were taking, you know, he'd always take the fifth or then he'd walk out of the room or then he would answer no when he was asked, did he ever have sex with, with Wex, uh, Les Wexner? Uh, and then he would, he would go off and, and he would answer that question, but then he would go off and say, you know, lawyers like you are just coming after me because of the money in so many words, but he took the fifth. He refused to answer. And then when you guys took Maxwell's case in the civil case, the, the defamation case, when Virginia sued Maxwell, she talked. And I thought, isn't that interesting? Because yeah. I got the sense that Epstein was pulling the strings for the legal fees all the time whenever there, there was a civil suit out there. And I thought, why is he letting this go this far? Because... She's telling her, I mean, it's, it's, she's telling what she was involved with, even though she's denying many times and dismissing, deflecting her involvement, she was asked some very personal questions. Yeah, yes, she was. And the judge ordered her, she initially refused, but right. the judge then ordered her to answer. And she did. Um, uh, 
again, if she was not going to cooperate right. with the prosecutors, it was a mystery to me why she didn't take the fifth. Um, it was a mystery. It was a mystery to me when those because they were under seal for a long period of time. When those documents, um, when the seal was lifted, which was after Jeff Jeffrey Epstein's death, so I, it was and it was before, if I if my memory serves me right, it was before Andrew gave his BBC interview in November of two thousand. Yes, it was. So so Epstein died in August. And in between August and November is when that first dump of documents was released. And I remember going through it and thinking to myself, this is this was not a good strategy for her because right. this could be used down the line for anything. And then, you know, it, it didn't it made perfect sense to me why she didn't take the stand in her criminal case because she had already incriminated herself. Well, it, it, it made perfect sense for her not to take the stand in her criminal right. case. But it made no sense for her to take the stand in her civil case. Um, Especially uh, when, when it was obvious that it was going to be settled because that was Epstein's M.O. for all the civil cases. Right. He would let it go to a certain point and then he would settle it. Did, did you ever get a sense as at representing, you know, a, a dozen uh, survivors, did you ever get a sense of the legal game that he had in play? Uh, it was a very complicated game. Um, as you say, he tended to let litigation play out for a while and then settle it. And while that sometimes can advantage you, that's a dangerous game to play. For, for, some, for a case like this. Yeah. I because mean, for the longer it goes on, the longer it goes on, the more it comes out. Mm -hmm. If he had settled the Maxwell case at the very beginning, before her deposition, the, his whole life and her whole life might have been different. Did you see a turning point when that deposition was released that the prosecutors were going to possibly take this a little bit more seriously uh, in terms of targeting her? Well, the prosecutors uh, had access to that deposition um, uh, substantially before it was uh, publicly released. And um, once the uh, prosecutors had successfully gotten a modification of the protective order mm -hmm. in order to obtain the file, including her deposition, that had been created in the civil case. Uh, I th thought it was simply a matter of time before she was arrested. Um, the evidence that had been accumulated in the civil case was so substantial that, and I've said this publicly before, um, uh, that I, I didn't understand why she did not recognize the inevitable and try to do the best deal that she could. Do you think she, she that uh, Messenger, her longtime attorney, gave her really bad advice? You know, it's always hard from the outside mm -hmm. to tell. You don't know whether it's the lawyer giving um, bad advice or the lawyer giving good advice and the client not taking it. Mm. Um, or something in between where the lawyer wants to please the client and so tends to model their advice on what they think the client wants to hear. Um, it's, it's, I, I found over a long experience that when a client ends up doing something that works out so badly as uh, what happened with Maxwell, that unless you're actually on the inside, it's really hard to apportion the responsibility between the lawyer and the client. I know that in, in Brad Edwards' book uh, that I, I read twice, I just, I, I love I loved the way he handled it. And, and um, he, he was a punching bag 
yes. you know, he was a punching bag for, for Epstein. Epstein right. just, and, and so was uh, Mike Rittner, the, the Palm Beach chief of police and his detect, his late detective. <laughs> the, the game that, that uh, Epstein had the arrogance to play, even with cops, and hiring, you know, retired cops in Miami, and then going through the going through their trash as the cops are putting Epstein under surveillance in Palm Beach, and then falsely, and then when Brad Edwards was representing the survivors, and he and he was he was like a dog with a bone. He was not he was not going to fall. Right. He was going right. to do the right thing. Jack yeah. Scarola stepped in and basically beat the hell out of Epstein in court and brought him to his knees. Did you run into any of that when you were representing the, the, the uh, survivors in 2014? Well, there was certainly um, uh, there were certainly a lot of attacks, um, and um, uh, you know where um, Epstein and his collaborators would uh, investigate you, try to uh, dig up uh, uh, things they could uh, use to attack you. Um, go to go to the press. Um, mm -hmm. uh, the um, you know Epstein had a whole series of uh, attack dogs like Alan Dershowitz. Um, uh, Alan went. Know, Alan went to the press all the time. All right, the and time. all the time. And I mean, the things that he said to the press about these girls were were, were was just despicable. Um, well, not only that, but I mean, people people may not know this, but um, during the the first case, this goes back to two thousand seven, eight, nine, when uh, and I heard this, and and I my sources are solid on it because they were in the room, uh, that you know it was it was Dershowitz who came in with the social media information about these girls to trash them uh, and presented to the prosecutors. You know, you have to take a look. They talk about, you know, drugs and alcohol and sex and things like that. And then later, you know, Dershowitz would, would basically say, no, no, that happened after <laughs> I was. I part of, no, he was seemingly Alan has always been part of the team, but almost used this entire. And I'm, I'm speculating now and I have to be careful because, you know, of course, Alan will trash me. Um, because he's trashed so many other journalists and right. challenged him. But having said that, I thought it was a hell of a game going after kids who were victims because yeah. it wasn't like Epstein was denying it. Right. No, Epstein and, and didn't the, deny it. He pled guilty. He just didn't. Right. He didn't. He didn't. He wasn't. Uh, he didn't plead guilty to the bigger picture of what was going on. But they certainly had the social media sites of numerous girls at that time. Right. And and, and underage girls too. And. Mm -hmm. um, and one of the things that I, I, I think was so deplorable about what Dershowitz did was he went on and went out and, and rather than dealing with the merits of what happened, he just attacked them. Um, uh, oh, he well, he's he's been attacking uh, Virginia Giuffre for, for as, as long as I can remember. Right. I mean, I mean, it, it, and, and some, of, some of the stuff is just so absurd. Um, uh, and, uh, and I mean, he went as far back in 2007. Mm. Um, uh, and this, this is, uh, in a, uh, department of uh, justice report. Um, uh, he, you know, he threatened prosecutors that he was going to destroy these girls. Um, and he went to the press, uh, not only in the United States, but he went to the daily mail in London to attack the character of these girls um, in, in, in really a, just a despicable way. Well, Alan, Alan has, Alan is a pit bull. We all know that Alan's been in, you know, loves the camera, right. does the interviews. Um, he's been a pit bull. He puts himself out there in front of the press all, I mean, it's been going on for decades, but he did have a tendency to not only trash the girls, trash the lawyers, uh, you know, he, he, he acted as if he did, you know, he really didn't know Epstein as, and he wasn't as close to Epstein, even though he had told people that he, if he had a book to write, you know, he, Jeffrey Epstein was one of the right. people that he would let him read ahead of time, I guess, to, to critique it. 
But did, tell tell the audience um, the most surprising thing you learned about. I'm going to go down the list about Jeffrey Epstein that that really is unknown in all this. I, I don't know if there's anything right now that's that's unknown about uh, Epstein. Um, other he, than as did I did, he give money. Did, did he give money to to Andrew, Prince Andrew? Uh, he, he certainly gave uh, money to uh, Prince Andrew's former wife, Sarah Fergie. Ferguson. We know that, right. um, and um, and he certainly gave favors to Prince Andrew. Whether he actually gave Prince Andrew money directly or not, um, I don't. I don't. I don't have because I know that my my UK mates and uh, journalists have you know been trying to figure out exactly how he bought the chalet that he recently sold right. that enabled him to pay to settle with um, Virginia. But did you ever find out if if any money was given to them as a couple? I, I don't. I don't have. Uh, I don't have really solid evidence on that. As I say, we we know that he gave money to uh, Prince Andrew's former wife, mm -hmm. um, uh, who who's living with uh, Prince Andrew. Um, uh, but exactly um, how Prince Andrew benefited from his relationship with. Uh, Epstein, uh, I, I don't really know. Um, what about Jean-Luc Brunel? And for well, the, the audience, the he, he was a he was a talent agent for um, for for a couple of modeling agencies. He had known, um, and and this is one question that I guess maybe is a little confusing. Was it Maxwell who introduced Epstein to Jean-Luc Brunel, or did Epstein know Jean-Luc Brunel from France? Before, I, 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 before Epstein I met Maxwell, I, I think I think that uh, Epstein's relationship with uh, Brunel was independent of Maxwell, um, and um, so and, he was just another source for victims. Well, I, I, he he was another source, but um, uh, I, I think to describe him as just another source kind of understates his role. Um, um, he was somebody who was very close to. Epstein. They had a falling out. They mm -hmm. got back together again. Um, uh, Brunel was another person who I know was terrified of Epstein. Um, uh, I actually met uh, with Brunel. Um, In a deposition and, or is this outside of no, a deposition? Outside of a deposition. Um, in um, uh, uh, 2016 and 2017. In the middle of the Maxwell civil defamation suit? Yes. And um, my goal was to try to get him to cooperate. Mm -hmm. um, and I thought at the time that I had him almost convinced to cooperate uh, and almost convinced to go in and talk to the federal prosecutors and tell them what he knew. Um, and then um, somehow something leaked to Epstein. Epstein called Brunel. And Brunel was just terrified and fled the country. Um, uh, if Brunel had stayed and cooperated, I think he'd be alive today. Um, but he was another one who, like Maxwell, uh, couldn't seem to break away from Epstein, even when it should have become clear that it was going to end in a disaster for Epstein and everybody around him. Uh, the jig was up once we uh, had all of the evidence that we accumulated in our civil litigation. Um, uh, I think it was just a matter of time um, before the walls came crashing down on all of them. Uh, but they couldn't seem to see that. And if they could see it, they couldn't seem to act on it. And, uh, and so Brunel is dead and, and Maxwell is in prison. And I think each of them, uh, if they had acted earlier, could have cooperated um, and, uh, and could have resolved things on a, a much more attractive basis. So one of the $64,000 questions, because there have been claims that Jeffrey had tapes, cameras, uh, some of the survivors have talked about it. Has anybody, does anybody know if the computers that were removed from Palm Beach 
before the cops did the raid. So this would have been 2007, circa 2007, eight, whenever year right. it was. <laughs> when they went in there, the computers were removed. We know that there were people that were involved with having those removed. I think Sarah was, was one of the people. Uh, we know that, uh, Sarah Kellen, I should say, um, we know that the FBI went into um, Epstein's New York mansion the day that he was arrested, July of 2019, and they came out with a boatload. We, we saw that. The victims have said that there was a, you know, a closet someplace on the first floor that had all these cameras and everything. Does anybody know if he actually put cameras in bedrooms, on in, in living rooms where people were having sex? I mean, is there any evidence of people outside of the victims, Andrew, Epstein, Maxwell, Brunel, having sex with anybody else in that house? Well, what we know is that there were cameras, um, uh, not just in the public areas, but in the bedrooms. Um, uh, what we don't know is where those tapes are. Did somebody destroy them? Did somebody decide to keep them as protection? Mm -hmm. Did somebody decide to keep them, maybe to blackmail people? Mm -hmm. uh, where are they? Do they even exist anymore? That we don't know. So do we, do we? Do, so do we know were, that there were cameras? So were there cameras in the bedrooms in Palm Beach? Um, we know that there were cameras in the bedrooms in Manhattan, and I believe in Palm Beach as well. And what about the island? Because the FBI went into went on to the island, and right. they, they, um, they they took out a whole bunch of toys. They did, but um, uh, the island is uh, uh, what existed in the island, what existed in the ranch in New Mexico. Um, we don't really have the same level of information about. What about the Paris apartment? Uh, that I don't know about. I mean, I know about the Paris apartment, but I uh, I don't have any additional. Information. So when you talked to Brunel, and, and did he give you any information at that time in 2016-ish? Well, I, he certainly indicated he had information um, uh, and, and had photographs and had some photographs. Um, uh, and uh, he certainly represented that what he had is something that would be very valuable to not only us, but to the prosecutors. And I believed him and um, he was very close to Epstein. We know he was intimately involved in uh, recruiting underage girls for Epstein. Um, so he was certainly in a position to know. And as I say, I, I really thought we were right on the verge of getting him to cooperate where something spooked him and he fled. What, did he name names at the time when you talked to him? Uh, not other than the names that we all know. Um, uh, he, he obviously, you know, talked about uh, Maxwell and, um, but. Um, did he explain, to, did he, did he give you any indication why they did this? Why he was, I mean, he, you know, although, you know, I, I know I've interviewed, um, I've interviewed a, a a woman who was raped by him, drugged and raped by him years ago before before um, this, who actually went to the prosecutors in France after Epstein, after Epstein was arrested in, I think, 2019 or maybe before that. But um, so he, he had a really bad reputation. 60 Minutes did a piece on him years yep. ago before Epstein was ever arrested the first time uh, in terms of how he treated modelings. Eileen Ford, when she was alive, had a relationship yep. with his modeling agency. And basically the Ford uh, modeling agency, you know, quit de dealing with him. But did, did you get a sense of just, was it just sheer depravity? Was it control? Was it commodification? Were these people addicted to raping people? I mean, what did he give you any any sense about how large this was? How many people were involved? I mean, you, you can't think that with this this number of victims, that yeah. the only people that were raping these these girls and women were was Maxwell. Which sh shocking no. that that shocked people. She wasn't just a trafficker. She participated in this. 
it was he he didn't really um, uh, sort of name a lot of names, but he certainly talked about the scope and scale of what was going on, the international aspects of it, the number of girls involved, um, uh, and I think sort of each of these characters came to explain away or try to explain away their conduct in, in different different ways. Um, uh, I think that uh, Brunel uh, and Epstein and probably Maxwell too, although I don't know I don't know from her. But um, certainly Brunel and and Max and, Mac, and Epstein, um, uh, you know, took the view that they were treating these young girls well, that they were going to help raise their level of uh, education and sophistication. Um, uh, there was a, a self-centeredness, a self-absorption, a level of depravity that it, it's it, it's hard to hard to comprehend um, even when I was interviewing Brunel and he was prepared I thought to acknowledge to the prosecutors his role and um, Epstein's role because I uh, I made clear to him that if he was going to do this, he was going to have to come clean. He well, that's the, to... those are the rules of engagement with the Southern District of New York. There's, right. It's everything you've ever done since, since the, you know, the womb to the tomb. Right. And mm -hmm. um, uh, and I think he and he seemed to me to be right on the verge of being willing to do that. But even then, you know, he lacked the kind of remorse, uh, recognition of what he had done, what others had done, what he'd helped others do. Um, you had Epstein right up to the end um, arguing that um, our current societal norms are wrong, that we ought to embrace older men having sex with younger girls. Um, uh, Alan Dershowitz has written that you should lower the age of consent as a compromise. He says some people think it should be lower, but he, he, he thinks a reasonable compromise is 15 um, uh, so that older men can have you know, sex with people in their middle teens. Um, I, I think that there was a, an attempt to conjure up the kind of phony philosophy that you used to see in the pages of Playboy and Penthouse. Um, mm -hmm. uh, and, uh, a lot of people don't even a lot of people don't even realize how it, it, um, the normalizing of this uh, into society. I didn't, I didn't understand any of this, you know, 22 years ago when I first started investigating human trafficking, but it's true. It, it, it's, uh, there's a normalization in that everybody who thinks that the, the children should be protected are really are kind of crazy. <laughs> yeah. Right. Tell that to some mama and papa bears, uh, right. you know, but, but kid, you know, other kids are fair game. It's a commodification of the human race for people who want to normalize. Right value systems to for their own self-satisfaction yes mm -hmm. and it, it, it is, is a, a, fa a failure to see um, people as human it's, it's mm -hmm. a, a failure to see the people that they are molesting as like them as like their daughters mm -hmm. um, uh, it is a we, they, us, them kind of dichotomy. That's true. That's it's very, very true. I remember one of the one of the things that um, and Brad has mentioned this to me because it just it flew off the pages with me when I read Brad's book. And 
he was saying that um, Epstein kept on saying to him, you know, because their their back and forth, their legal battle went on and on and on. And Epstein said to him, you know, during one of the last meetings, if this continues, somebody's going to get hurt. You know, and, yep. and he would turn on the charm when they would meet, even though they were opponents. And he had to catch himself, you know, and, and keep on keep leaving. No, no, no. This guy's a bad guy. Yeah. This guy's a bad guy. Where does this go from here from the legal perspective? Because I know you've, you've got to go because you've got a meeting. But I, I just want to ask you from the legal perspective. So Epstein is dead. Um, the the uh, my understanding is that the fund has already paid out everyone that has been accepted in this compensation yes. fund. What's for the audience? How much money approximately was paid out? Um, uh, on the, just the million, fund, just the fund. Uh, over a hundred million dollars, uh, uh, less than less than two hundred million dollars. Less than two hundred million dollars. Two hundred million dollars. And how many people? I know that people applied for compensation with Epstein's uh, estate fund, but some of them were turned away. I understand. There were, a few, there were some that were turned away. Um, uh, you, you had to, you had to be able to demonstrate that you were uh, really a, um, a victim of Epstein's sex trafficking. Um, uh, and as you can imagine, when, you know, you've got a, a potential fund of two or $300 million, people, people come forward. Right. Uh, but the vast, vast majority of um, the people who came forward were people who uh, were uh, vindicated who, as having actually been victims of Epstein sex trafficking, um, and and they were and they were uh, they were compensated and, and compensated uh, pretty pretty promptly. And uh, that was and that was over a hundred a hundred victims that came forward that were compensated, correct? Yeah, I, I can't remember exactly the number, but it was it was in that range. So then Burnett, Burnell, moving on. Then we have Burnell, who who died in his uh, died in prison. Died in prison within the what is it the last month? Uh, we have Maxwell's case. She was convicted of trafficking, um, and she. Now we have a juror who's complicated her case. Where does that stand right now in terms of the calendar, David? Um, the um, uh, a juror, as you say, who uh, was on the jury that convicted Maxwell, uh, afterwards told the press uh, that he had been a victim of uh, sexual abuse. Right. Um, in the jury questionnaire that he had filled out, he had said he had not been. So what he said in his jury questionnaire was not accurate. Uh, now... Are those questionnaires, jury, are those jury questionnaires, are they under oath? I don't think they're under oath. Okay. Um, uh, I mean, it's uh, stupid. It's stupid to, to answer it. It may not be, it may have been unintentional. It may be reckless. I it may know. have been unintentional. Right. I mean, one of the things he says, he just breezed through it. And, you know, like you do sometimes when you're answering a questionnaire, um, you get in the habit of just checking no, 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 no. But, um, uh, that doesn't excuse it, um, mm -hmm. uh, because those, those questionnaires are very important um, to making decisions as to uh, who needs to be questioned more thoroughly to reveal whether they've got a bias or not. So those questionnaires are important, and and to make a erroneous entry. Um, uh, is is a non-trivial issue, and the judge is going to uh, hold a hearing and question uh, the the juror. And now there's been talk whether the juror is actually going to answer the questions, or maybe the juror is going to assert a Fifth Amendment um, protection. Um, and and if the juror does assert a Fifth Amendment protection, whether the prosecution then gets an order granting immunity which would then require the person to answer the question. So there, there are a lot of a lot of issues outstanding. After all that is said and done, uh, does the judge grant a new trial or not? So um, uh, Epstein died in prison. Brunel died in prison. Uh, Maxwell is um, in prison, uh, has been convicted, but that conviction is now being challenged. Um, 
if it were, if it were overturned, you'd have to be a new trial for her. Um, uh, the the prosecution uh, has not said uh, whether it's going to go after uh, sort of the next tier of people uh, like Sarah Kellen, who you mentioned. Um, uh, you know, they've not said whether they're going to go after criminally um, any of the people to whom uh, girls were trafficked. Um, uh, who has that list? Who has that list to whom they were trafficked? Uh, the government has some. Um, uh, and I'm presuming the lawyers like yourself who has who has represented the survivors have an indication of to whom these survivors were trafficked. We, 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 we have some of the names. I mean, each of the, I'm sure Brad uh, Edwards has some. Uh, Jack uh, Scola has some, some. Sure. Um, The government has some. Um, but you only get a, anything like a complete um, uh, list if the government goes after it in a serious way. And the government has at least not seemed to be doing that. Maybe they're doing that. We don't know about it. But um, uh, I, I, I continue to think that this has not been as much a priority in terms of uh, the prosecution as it as it as it should have been and should be. Do you think it has anything to do with the COVID error of the last two years that we've all been living under, or do you think it's? Uh... I, I think it might, but um, uh, the, the the prosecutorial lapses, you know, long predated that, and mm -hmm. indeed the prosecution has been much more active over the last three or four years than before that. I remember when, when uh, this is, I think this is around the time that Epstein was arrested and then he died. And uh, I think it was NBC News had about six or seven or eight of the uh, survivors come together and they were um, talking about, you know, it, it, the focus was on Epstein Brunel, but, but not a lot of them except for Virginia was the only one that talked about other, other names. Right. Um most of the people have been very reluctant, and even Virginia has been very reluctant to talk about uh, too much. Um, they are still afraid. Wow. Well, David, I, I appreciate your time, and I, I know that you you have. A, we talked about this before. We, we you know the other day when we were booking this. Uh, I want to have you back so we can talk some more right. about uh, this because it's not it's not going away. Right. And it I, go and away. I'd, I'd, be, I'd be happy. To, I, I have a deposition in another case I've got to do now. I I'd know. be happy to come back. Okay. Thank you very much, David, and okay. thank you for your take time. care. Okay. Take care.